Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mike Rosehart Show live every Wednesday around 7 p.m. Sorry I'm two, three minutes tardy, but it took me a bit of time to type this out because I didn't like writing, I was wrong. It hurts. Hurts to swallow it. Um, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. I'm consistently more right than I am wrong. But I, uh, I have a confession. I didn't think Corona would be that serious. I didn't think that the virus, that this COVID outbreak would get to levels that we've seen it get to and that it is going to get to over the next few weeks. So first off, I just want to say to my entire audience, if you're watching this, hey, Tommy, hey, William, hey, everyone is jumping on. Um, I was wrong. This is becoming a bigger thing than I thought it would be, mostly because medically speaking, and I'm not at all professing to be a medical expert, but based on what I've read, it doesn't tend to kill the most, pro the most productive members of society. It doesn't tend to, it isn't really that deadly of a virus in and of itself. Now, if you have pre-existing medical conditions, it is deadly, similar to pneumonia or any of those other you know, uh, illnesses you can get that also are very deadly. But medically speaking, I didn't think it was as bad as it's become. And still, I do think that there's a long way to go. We're still at the beginning of the curve. I don't know if it'll flatline. I know governments around the world are trying to get people into isolation. So first thing, before I get into the economics behind what's happening right now and how this is a new, a new reality for all of us as we turn into a new business cycle. So for the last 12 years, we've had the biggest bull market, uh, economically speaking, we've ever had in centuries. So it's been a good time to be alive. And the way in which I view the world and you viewed the world, it was different a month ago than it is today. And so everything is changing, the whole dynamic, there's a lot of uncertainty. We're gonna talk about what that means for your real estate portfolio, what that means economically, how you can think through this, but let's be clear, we are in a different business cycle than we were a month ago. And so the way in which you analyze deals, the way in which you buy and analyze stocks, the way in which you plan out your vacations is changing. I do still think it's a low risk for someone like myself, my wife, my kids. We're not at high risk, even if we got the virus, which again, I don't think is high, a high risk for us for a few reasons. One, like I may not have spoke to it enough last episode because I got a lot of direct messages and a lot of comments and things like that about people saying, hey, Mike, you're not taking a proactive enough approach uh, to, the, to the virus. And let's be clear, I am quarantining to the extent that I'm not going to any large social gatherings. I'm not meeting people that I haven't first ensured are, are safe. And even when I do, we're like six feet away. I'm meeting contractors though. I'm still going to sites. I'm still, you know, I, I have video showings of all my units, video tours on YouTube that I send out. So it's not like I'm not trying to rent out my units still. I'm not still productive during this time. You can be productive during this time. It's not an excuse to sit around and not be productive. You can still take down deals. You can still go look at properties bring hand sanitizer, bring wipes, bring gloves, plan ahead. If you're smart and you lead life like a bit of a germaphobe, I know it's a small sacrifice you have to make, you can still be productive. You can still go to all your rental properties, you can still go around and look for deals. Whatever it is you were doing before, you could probably still do it now, but just taking more precautions. So the way in which we approach things is changing, right? Um, and I'm into all your questions and all your comments. I see people jumping in here. Um, about booze and hookers. I don't know about that. Like it, it's interesting if you guys have been following here in Ontario and in, in Canada, there's a list of a hundred, like a hundred essential services that aren't shut down. The Ontario government ordered businesses that were non-essential to shut down 
That's major, by the way. And we're going to get into the economic implications of a lot of these decisions that governments are making and forcing a lot of small business owners to go belly up, which will create a recession. Like the actions that the government is taking to prevent the spread of this virus, which again, isn't that serious of a virus in my opinion, but again, I'm not a med medical professional. I still would avoid it at all costs. Like I, I'm not gonna expose myself to the virus. If I got it, I'd probably be fine because I'm young and I'm healthy and I have no pre-existing medical conditions. And I wouldn't even give it to anyone else because I'm pretty much self-isolating. But um, think through some of the economic ramifications of this guys, right? I was wrong in that I thought by mid-April, things would have calmed down. I thought we'd have a two or three quarantine, the virus would die and we'd go on. But human behavior is what it is. Many people, many, I'm embarrassed to say, millennials and Gen Zs are out there. If you guys followed the spring break stuff in Florida, like congregate hundreds of people like just didn't give, they didn't give an F, they didn't care. And they've been, they've been spraying the virus now around because they're like, oh, I'm young, it's not gonna affect me, blah, blah stuff. That's it probably is true. Like it doesn't kill young, healthy people, but it's not a reason to, to not take precaution. Like you should still be taking precaution and protecting, you know, your elders, protecting other people in your community. Fuck, think about the economy. For the economy's sake, we need this curve to flatten out. And I think the government's taking some serious, um, seriously, I guess, necessary precautions. Mostly, I'm worried about the fallout. I'm worried about you know, the medical system being overloaded. I'm worried about the businesses that are currently near bankruptcy, like all the tourism industry, um, like hotels and, and restaurants and a lot of these services that were, like you'd go for instance, get your haircut. I'm sure like most barbers not doing well. I'm sure that like, there, you can think of a million services that are not doing well right now because people are quarantining. Now some businesses are doing well during this quarantine. I'm sure Netflix is doing better than ever, but there are some businesses that are being hit. And the thing is, there were businesses that were on the edge, believe it or not, with a 12 year bull run in the hottest market we'd ever seen, there were still businesses that were struggling. And those businesses that were struggling, they were a few months away from, um, what do you call it, bankruptcy, or I guess not being able to pay their rent. That has ramifications. Let's think through that for a second. So a lot of these restaurants now that had, you know, maybe they only had $10,000 left in reserve funds, that'll be eaten up quick. In a few more weeks of sit down restaurants being closed down and, you know, in my, my opinion, my prediction is that humans aren't smart. And in general, I trust humans to be terrible. And just in general, like contractors, I deal with, everyone I assume is just dumb because most people make a lot of mistakes. People are going to continue to make mistakes and these mistakes will have ramifications. The virus will not die with this quarantine. Cause there's, I went for a drive today. I drove all around town, checking out my rental properties. Didn't have very much interaction with really anyone, but just going around with like one person who lives in my house who I'm already like exposed to, so I'm safe. But we went around and there was tons of cars out there. Like the, the grocery stores were full. People were like shoulder to shoulder. That kind of stuff is gonna cause the spread to continue despite the quarantine uh, best efforts, I guess. Um, so I think this is going to continue for some time. There'll be multiple waves or cycles, I think of the virus, which is troubling and, and economically not a great thing um, because there are trickle down effects, right? Like the restaurant that, uh, you know, closes down. You're like, oh, well, mom and pop restaurant closes down. A new one will open up in the next boom. That's probably true. But assuming there's demand for that type of food or whatever, right? But so it'll just close down and then it'll reopen, right? In, in theory, or someone will take its spot. But no, 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 there was employees that were relying on that income to survive. And if the government doesn't step in or there isn't another job opportunity available, which right now we know that there's a lot of layoffs going on. So people are all sucking from the system. So taxes are probably going to go up to fund this huge quantitative easing and this huge bailout. So 
if you make a lot of money, be prepared to pay a lot of tax, more tax than you paid before. Um, two, there's some things to think about. If those people don't have money, can they pay their rent? Can they spend on the latest and greatest iPhone? Can they go on that vacation? So now, obviously, tourism is already affected because no one wants to travel with the virus, but there are trickle-down economic effects that go down. If you, if you follow the chain of command all the way down, well, yeah, now the person that you know was working there at that restaurant, well, guess what? They also paid rent to a landlord, so that landlord's now screwed, and that landlord was gonna hire a contractor to do renovations, so that contractor now is screwed, and then Home Depot, they're gonna pay Home Depot with that rent to buy the rental materials, but now they can't afford to do that either, so then they're screwed. They're gonna pay the bank, their mortgage payment, and their line of credit payment, but now they can't do that either, so the bank's screwed. Uh, and then, of course, the bank is gonna lay off a bunch of people because they can't afford the bond market. If you look at the inverse yield curve right now, the cost of funds, the cost for the bank, to borrow the money to lend to you is higher than ever. Despite the Bank of Canada dropping rates and the Feds dropping rates, we are seeing the inverse happening. Mortgage rates are going up. Bank of Canada and the Feds are cutting rates, but due to the uncertain times, the cost of funds is going up. People need stability when they're lending out money, and when there's uncertainty, people hoard cash. They're afraid to give it even to the banks. And so there are no uh, cheap ways for the bank to gather capital. So what does the bank do? They raise their margins. So despite the Bank of Canada dropping rates, despite what I thought would happen, which is what initially happened, which is rates dropped when we saw the 50 basis point drop, rates dropped. And the discounts remain the same, right? If you were, if there was a lender doing a five-year variable with a 1% discount, that remained the same. Then what happened is the world went into turmoil and the cost of funds went up in the bond market. That's where the bank gets their money. Now the bank, they're trying to get that money out. They can't at, at the same cost as they could before. So now what's happening is the bank's raising their interest rates, which is crazy. The bank can't drop another 50 basis points and the banks, they don't drop their prime. They don't follow suit. And some of them are raising them 25 basis points. And what you're seeing, interestingly enough, is the discounts they were giving you on the prime lending rate are going down. So that's something to think about too. What we're seeing is that if you had a five-year variable four weeks ago, it's at like 1.84% right now if you got the same discount rate that you were gonna get four weeks ago. The prime rate hasn't changed for the banks. They've kept, a lot of them have kept their prime rate around the same, but the discount they're giving you off of prime, they've gotten rid of. So it, like the prime hasn't really changed. So if you had a, a variable mortgage with a 1% discount, you know, six weeks ago, you're laughing right now because there are, there's actually, I have a rate hold. I'm hoping to get qualified on it with the HSBC. Um, hey everyone, welcome in. And if you're just jumping on, smash the like button. I appreciate everyone who's jumping on here. I'm gonna get to all your questions in just a sec here. I appreciate the shout out there. Um, smash McFlash jumped in there and said, smash the like button, so I appreciate that. But uh, we were talking about you know the banking sector right now. We're talking about the trickle down. I'm just getting on a tangent, to be honest, about some of the economic ramifications of this recession that we're now going into. And a lot of it is just caused by the shutdown. Like shutting down a nation creates like you know, gross national product, gross domestic product, GDP is going to drop, right? So when GDP drops for a couple of quarters, what you're going to see is all the trickle down effects of that. All those businesses affected by that, you know, drop in productivity, right? And when nations stop growing, then all of a sudden there's contraction. When the trend starts downwards, people get bearish. So they don't drive the markets as high as they did before. Um, as well as like people just aren't willing to gamble on investing in businesses at this time, right? And this uncertainty, this lack of stability, this lack of, of knowing what's going to happen next, that causes investors to hoard cash, which means they get a worse return, which means, the, well, that isn't actually the trickle down. So what, the investors hold the cash, no, no one has any cash to invest. So the businesses suffer because they need capital to grow. 
and there's no consumer spending. The two things that drive an economy more than anything else, in my personal opinion, is capital investment and consumption. And capital investment is more valuable than consumption, but um, definitely consumption is important too. So consumption will be lower because no one has any money, no one's working right now, that's down. So then no one needs to make any goods to sell to the people. So then that's down, it creates a further downward effect because then all those people get laid off, then they have no money to spend. Plus what's even worse is, is like, if you know the bond market was stable right now, if cost of funds were lower and they were pumping, like what the Fed was trying to do was basically print a ton of money lower interest rates and basically promote everyone to borrow. It backfired because no one wants to lend right now because the instability, it's very, very hard, right? They can print as much money as they want, but um, yeah, anyway, so I don't wanna get down a rabbit hole. Oh, I'm missing out. My, uh, my wife and daughter, they're going into the hot tub right now. I'm missing out, I get to watch them from up here though, which is cool. One of my nightly rituals, just as like a random tangent or aside, is I love hot tubbing. Could never live in a house without a hot tub. It's changed my life. So if you ever get in a hot tub, like look into that. Uh, it'll change your life. It's so relaxing and therapeutic jets. And it's a great way to uh, avoid that coronavirus. I actually don't know if I believe that, to be honest. I don't think, they say he kills the coronavirus, but you saw those, those idiots on Instagram blowing hair dryers in their mouth and faces. That, uh, medically speaking, doesn't work. So don't rely on that. But I could hear their logic when I was watching those Instagram videos. I'm like, okay, he kills it. But like, he talks about saunas because he's big into saunas. And I do think there's some value to that. But like by the time the air gets down to like where your lungs are, it's already, uh, it's already like your body has kind of cooled that air. So it doesn't really work to kill the virus, but garlic, homeopathic remedies like garlic, ginger, um, man, a, a lemon, um, geez, a ton of vitamin C, vitamin D, a colloidal silver, all these things. I'm like, if you smell my breath right now, I mean like three, four garlic cloves a day right now, fighting off a virus. I actually got a little bit of a sickness uh, from one of my daughters, not at all like Corona or anything, but just like a common cold and I can cure that like that by uh, treating it with natural methods. Usually viral infections, doctors don't give you anything. They can only treat bacterial, right? There's not really much for viral. So you have to rely on the natural uh, homeopathic stuff, but back to the economics, cause uh, that's what you guys are here for. You wanna hear about all the economics behind this virus and how I was wrong and how this is going to go longer than I thought. And I've heard analysts estimate all the way to September there being like multiple waves of quarantine, depending on like if we can get this curve flattened or not, uh, medically speaking. When I talk about the curve being flattened, I talk about the number of cases of corona. Uh, we wanna see that the virus, the COVID-19 virus is, uh, you know, the number of cases each day is like getting a bit more flatlined. Right now it's like hyperbolic and we're seeing that like the hockey stick curve, right? Exactly what you expect from compound interest, how it can work in your favor. In the medical sense, it can also work against us, right? One person gets infected, they talk to 20 people, those, you know, 15 of those 20 people are infected because it's highly uh, contagious. Not that those people are probably going to die, but uh, those people then will infect probably 15 more people, and then those people infect 15 more people, and so it becomes, you know, 10 times 10 times 10, so it goes from 10 people to 100 people to 1,000 people, et cetera, and so forth. You keep adding a zero, and it gets pretty crazy pretty quick. But if you can quarantine yourself, or if you, like way before you're even feeling symptoms, if you're just not out there sharing your germs with people and you're washing your hands and you're wearing a mask, at least not to share your own germs, right? Hopefully you don't get germs from other people too. If everyone's respecting that, if everyone's keeping the six feet difference, if everyone's wearing the masks, then we're all containing our own virus. And if we have the, the virus, it stops with us, right? That's the idea. But some interesting, scary developments though that really, really got me going was like similar to, you know, um, I guess felt like chicken pox and stuff. You can get it multiple times in your life. Corona, you can get multiple times. If you get it and fully recover, you can get it again, a mutated version of it. You can get the same virus again, 
That's the crazy part. I read that article. My mind was like, Phew. I'm like, oh shit, this is going to be worse than I thought it was going to be because there can be multiple waves of it. We already know that it can mutate and we know now that you can get it again. I didn't, when I first, like the first video I made on here, let's be clear, I was ignorant and let's be clear, I'm still ignorant to a lot of the information. I'm not an expert by any means, but what we know is you can get it again. And that's scary. That means until we find a vaccine for this virus, people are going to keep getting it. If it doesn't kill you the first time, it might kill you the second time or the third time. And that's where it gets a little bit scary is that you can get it again. Um, and apparently like, yeah, there's a whole bunch of new developments with it. I'm not following a whole lot of it. Cause again, I do believe firmly in my rule that you don't need to watch the news to be a good investor. You should invest for the long term in things that you believe in long term. Every property I've ever bought, I believe in long term. I know I can weather this recession. I'm relatively liquid enough that I'm not going to lose any of my properties. I have people jumping in the comments being like, get ready to lose your whole real estate portfolio, Mike. Like COVID-19's here and get ready. I'm going to pick your properties up for 50 cents on the dollar. Look for foreclosure. Like, ha ha ha. It's like, no. I have so much equity in most of my properties. To be honest, I have cash reserves that will let me go for months and months and months to weather this type of storm. And I recommend everyone who invests in properties to have a line of credit aside or have some cash reserves set aside. Expect to not get rent for the next few months. It's possible. Expect your Airbnbs to sit vacant or very low bookings. It's happening to me right now. It's painful. I'm suffering through the fact that most of my Airbnbs are sitting open. By the way, if you know anyone who needs somewhere to live in a really high and furnished rental in London, Ontario. I've got a bunch sitting open right now near the hospitals, near the colleges and universities, and still not getting bookings. So uh, hit me up if you've got anything there. But um, yeah, if you have a good a good product, a good real estate property that you bought under market value and you renovated, you might lose some of your equity. It's possible that the trickle down effects will uh, of the economy basically taking a tail dive for a few quarters. And I do believe this is a few quarters and will bounce back. I don't think this is a permanent thing that's gonna ruin our lives. We are going to look at the world in a new light. We're going into a recession. Um, I do believe that there will be, a, there'll be multiple bounces. What you'll see is same as 2008, same as any recession ever. You'll see like it'll go up, then it'll crash, then it'll be a bit of a recovery, then it'll crash further, then it'll be a recovery. So it's gonna go like this, right? There's volatility, a lot of volatility when there's uncertainty. And right now, more than ever, there's a ton of volatility. So we can see days where we're up 10%, down 5%, up 10%, down 20%. I don't know what the future holds right now until we have a bit of clarity on when business is going back to usual. And that will happen. Like, let's be clear here. While the world we analyze will be different than it was before, we might take more precautions, for instance. As an example, businesses might take more precaution now. There might be hand sanitizer everywhere. We might be having a bit of social distancing. At the bank today, I stood behind a rope and read out my, my ID and my credit card and my bank card number and then got uh, a bank draft. And I didn't even, like the teller and I didn't ever, like usually you go up and you talk to them, you type in your pass. You don't do any of that anymore. There's not even like, even literally there was like plastic wrap on the pin pads at restaurants or at uh, like Home Depot and places like that. So they're may taking precaution. Those things may continue, but business will eventually come back, right? Real estate market long-term is strong. Long-term will be fine. I think commercial real estate is gonna take a big hit. People who rented out commercial space People are gonna go home, work from home, and realize they didn't need the office because they were just as productive in their home office, if not more productive, because they didn't have an hour commuting, they didn't have an hour at the water cooler, they didn't have an hour commuting home, they didn't have all these wastes of time that happened in the office that can be good for morale, et cetera, and so forth. But 
I think that you could work five hours from home and be just as productive as working nine hours in the office with the commute and everything. So I think people are gonna realize they don't need the office space they did before. So retail, um, or it's not retail, uh, commercial space is going to suffer. The retail space, I think they're gonna realize that th people are buying things more, um, how do you say this? People are buying online more than ever. And with the coronavirus, people are buying online at an increasingly higher rate than normal. People who wouldn't before are getting into patterns. And once we form patterns, once people start buying online, they realize how easy it is. Amazon's hiring more staff than ever. They're logistically equipped to continue to scale up with this. If let's say I'd never used Amazon before and during the you know COVID scare, I'm like, ah, oh, well, I don't wanna risk it. I'll order online. And I were online, now I get used to it. Now my credit card's remembered there. It's easy for me to log in. I've created an account now. That was the barrier to entry for me, you know, going online and buying stuff too, like going in the store. So now it's easy for me to go online. A lot more people are gonna start buying online. It's already an increasing trend. We're already moving away from retail. Commercial spaces are dying. Um, here in London where I live, there's a really high vacancy rate for commercial. I've never been bullish on commercial. I don't believe long-term in commercial. I like commercial residential, like apartment buildings, because I need, think people need a place to live. But I'm nev I've never been long-term bullish on like commercial retail, commercial office space, um, that sort of thing. I think there's a, it's not gonna do well. It's gonna do worse than ever, mostly because these guys are gonna go bankrupt and when these businesses go bankrupt, the landlord can't collect the rent. Um, so there's gonna be a lot of vacancies for like the mom and pop restaurants. Um, some businesses are gonna go out of, out of business as a result of this. And that means opportunity for you guys. If you're watching this, businesses are gonna go up for sale. I'm looking at like, hell, there might be McDonald's franchises or there could be like Subway franchises or you know that kind of stuff's gonna pop up. Mom and pop restaurants are gonna go under and you can pick those up for a song. You might be able to bail them out for the cost of the rent. So you could buy businesses in this time and build equity and build wealth in this time if you have liquidity and you have balls. Um, a lot of people, they're scared, so don't be scared. Um, know that long-term, five years from now, we'll think back to this the same as we did 2008, the same as we did 2001, same as we did Black Monday in the 80s, same as we did look back on SARS and all the rest. Now this might be a little bit more of a blip than SARS, let's say, but we're gonna look back on this in the same way that we have throughout history um, as like an economic event, right? And for a long time, I've been waiting, you watch my videos on Matt McKeever's channel, Matt and I were discussing like a, a 2020 being the economic downturn year, right? This is funny because in 2019, we filmed this like six months ago and we're like, we can't think of a good catalyst for this all to start. Like there's just gotta be some catalyst to start the market turning downwards for these valuations to correct. Because everyone's just looking at the world with such rosy glasses. This is it. This was the reset we needed to take those rosy glasses off and see things as they truly are. Now, if you bought properties that were truly cash flow positive, like I've been telling you, you're going to be fine. Your properties will be fine. If you bought commercial properties and they're probably not high cash flow because in order to buy a commercial property in Canada, you need to overpay and buy like a five or six cap rate, maybe a seven cap rate if you're lucky typically, um, you're probably gonna be a bit screwed. So you might have to sell that property. This is probably not the best time to sell from a you know demand perspective, but let's be clear here, the supply side is also still low. There's a lot of pent up demand in the market. We're still seeing multiple offers on properties. There aren't a lot of people going and looking at properties right now, but there are still people who are hungry for rental properties. So if you wanted to get some liquidity, you had a property that you couldn't refinance right now, uh, because first I would say refinance the properties that you have. If you have properties right now, go to the bank and refinance and borrow at two and a half percent, take that gunpowder and have it to buy properties six months from now or buy stocks right now. That's a smart move. But if you have properties you can't refinance, you have equity in them, sell them. Get the cash, get out and enjoy. Be ready 
for the next economic upswing because we're going to have a correction here that's going to allow us to build a lot of wealth. Remember, recessions are the best time to build wealth. It's where entrepreneurs make their most money. It's where everyone else is sitting on their hands, sitting on their cash. You should be cautious with your cash, but cognizant of the fact that, here's the way I like to put it. I like to have one eye on the current. Or I like to have, what was it? What's the saying? It's like one eye, half an eye on the current, half an eye on the past, and one eye on the future. Just remember that like a year or two from now, it's gonna be just fine. And go into your mindset with like, things are going to recover. But if you go into it with like a panic mindset, this is never gonna recover. Um, you know, sell it all off. That's a risk. Don't do that. Um, that's high risk uh, type thinking. That's gonna. It's not gonna end well for you. Don't don't sell. You don't have to sell. Um, if you have a property that you can't sell right now because if no one's looking for that type of property, hold on to it. As long as you have cash flow, no problem. Um, so anyway, that's my rant. I lost my train of thought, but I'm gonna go into the question and answer now. Okay, you guys ready? Hello everyone. Hey, how's it going? It's a bloodbath out there. Someone says. Al says. Talk to me, what do you guys see on the street? Uh, I'm so consumed in my own world here in quarantine that like I may be missing things as well. What's going on in the street? What are people seeing right now in the market? Uh, obviously the stock market, we can follow that day by day. That's, that's pretty public information, but what's going on in your local real estate market? What's going on in your local economy? Are you seeing the same things? Is your city sh shut down? Uh, all those types of things. Let me know in the comments what you're seeing. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Do you have a question? Jump in the comments, I'll give you my feelings and, and thoughts. Hey guys, hey Butcher, hey Allison, hey Alex, hey Ruben. Uh, Ruben asks, uh, Ruba, Ruben Siva says, is real estate going down? Um, it depends. Like I said, in the commercial sector, I think there's gonna be quite a bit of a pullback. A lot of landlords are gonna realize they don't have the cash flow. Um, they're just gonna put those properties up for sale because in the foreseeable future, there's no commercial tenant right now. In the same way as those commercial properties that are short-term rental. So I, I'm no different. I have some short-term rental properties too. And so on Airbnb, on VRBO, there's nothing. It's dead quiet. I have a property in Orlando right now. It's pretty much dead quiet. Disney shut down. Orlando's um, studios is shut down. It's all shut down. So there is no travel, hardly at all. Most airlines are suffering. So if, you, if you're invested in a property that's short-term rental, probably not doing well right now. That sector, not doing well. Not probably a great time to sell, um, gonna be a good time to buy three months from now. Like if we go on for the, again, the couple months like they're talking about and landlords start to run out of cash, then those types of commercial properties, I think long-term vacation rentals are amazing. I love the cash flow you can get from it. I think it's very um, resilient long-term once this you know kind of blows over. I think their vacation rentals are a great long-term business. They're fantastic. I like to have my money in real estate. I feel safe with having my money tied to land. Um, so long, I am actually overall bullish about real estate still. I think that those sectors might be more affected heavily than like the you know single family house that someone's living in. Like people aren't moving because of the coronavirus. It's not killing off enough people that there's not like there's less um, demand or something. No, like, yeah. So the, the demand for single family houses will continue. That sector largely won't be affected, I think, beyond maybe slightly affected by like the economic reality of someone being laid off, right? So there'll be people who won't be able to make their mortgage payments. But you know, there's people who are getting like six month mortgage deferrals right now. Even on rental properties, we're seeing it. Um, so you can call the big five, big six banks right now and get a mortgage deferral for like six months. Uh, you pay interest on that money, but it's you don't have to make any payments. So we're not gonna see anyone who needs to sell right now. There, there won't be any of that. You won't see in the real estate market someone who's like foreclosed on. Because here in Canada, they're giving 
if you're near foreclosure, you have six month extension. So everyone who is gonna foreclose even is probably saved by this. If you're gonna get laid off from your job, you're probably saved by this. If you're like unemployed, you can go apply for the 2000 a month stimulus the government just put out there. Even if you do like Uber Eats, you can go apply for it right now in Canada and get two grand a month. If you're that person, this is actually good. You just made money. Um, so you're, there's probably less foreclosures ev than ever. Um, are people wanting to move right now? No. So of course, it's not gonna be the hottest spring that we wanted. That's gonna be a bit of a, a bit of an issue. But um, yeah, I think multifamily, like residential apartment buildings, those will be strong. We're seeing CMHC, Canadian Mortgage Housing Corporation, insured type properties that you put five or 10% down. Those apartment building portfolios, we're seeing 1.99% interest rates. Interest rates are lower than they've ever been. Still in commercial lending, we're seeing a ton of really good interest rates. Because remember, we got the first 50 basis point um, drop and all rates dropped. Then there's another 50 basis points and most of the banks didn't follow suit. So we still are way lower interest rate wise. We're in a climate that was much lower than a month ago. So we're in a good period to buy real estate. It's a good time to lever up. If you need, if you have equity in your properties, go borrow it. If you can go apply for unsecured lines of credits right now, go do that. Um, get access to cash, lever up and buy real estate. The debt is good. Uh, overall, the debt is good. So just remember that, that, that you can borrow right now 1.99%. So I think residential duplex, triplex, fourplex, sixplex, eightplex, tenplex, twelveplex, twentyplex, thirtyplex, all extremely solid right now. Great buying opportunities, especially with some of these rate, what are they called, the rent strikes going on. Where people are like, don't pay rent on April 1st. And by the way, that's like not legal. You just be served in N4 and you will have to pay. But people are holding out on their rent and all this kind of stuff. So short term, you're gonna feel it. Like this is a short term, we're going into a recession right now. And it's gonna be hard. You're gonna feel a lack of liquidity. You're gonna have to look at things in a different light. That's why I'm telling you to get liquidity. Get access to cash, become liquid. Um, don't have all your assets frozen in stocks that you can't sell or properties that you can't make liquid very easily, all that kind of stuff. So just be careful, um, prepare, sit on your war chest and get ready for investing because there's gonna be good opportunities coming down our way. I think to answer your question, real estate residential will be strong. This isn't a reason for us to go into a full bore um, recession. Typically what we see is the stock market doesn't tie to the real estate market, the cycles don't line up. And I think this time we're gonna see that. We're gonna see the stock market not lining up to the real estate market. So the crash for real estate might be sometime in the future, I don't know. Um, but what I know is right now, the market is still hot, there's still pent up demand. With this lower interest rates, people like myself, I'm in the buying season. If you're asking me, what am I doing? I'm refinancing all my properties, getting a war chest of cash, and then going out and buying. I'm gonna make a few million dollars from this recession. I'm really excited about the opportunities to buy here. I'm really excited about the long-term prospect of this. It's, this is my chance to get on the trajectory to being worth 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars. This is the opportunity for all of us who've been working the last 10 years to really you know, blow it up. And let's not forget, there is a lot of carnage. There is a lot of blood in the water. If your portfolio is like mine in stocks and has been like slaughtered by 40%, I feel you. Um, I was invested in some things that, you know, like the Canadian economy in general is pretty tied to oil and that's been terrible. Um, along with some other concerns, right? Obviously that um, have weighed down my portfolio and my lending portfolio too. So it's, um, yeah, stocks like Chesswood Group, check that out. Bought like $11 or $10.90 and it's at like, I don't know, four bucks or something. Went Had lows of $3 a share. So that was painful. It now needs to, to grow 300% for me to break even. So that's, that was painful, like $18,000 in shares and 
down to like, I don't know, $5,000 in shares now. That one, that's one trade that I made that I'm really regretting. It was a great solid 7 or 8% dividend play. And I'm like, this is a solid company. It made a lot of sense. I didn't predict this would happen. Um, I don't think any of us could have seen this coming. None of us. Anyone who says they could, they're wrong. Um, they couldn't see this coming. And uh, it's funny, of all the people, I should have seen this coming. In December, my mom, my mom's like, if anyone, you know, my mom ever watches this, she probably won't, but uh, she's like super up on the latest and greatest when it comes to like the world ending. So whenever there's like a recession, anything like, whenever there's like an earthquake, she text me, like, you hear about that earthquake in like Peru? And I'm like, my mom just texted me like two in the morning about it. And like when Corona first broke, and there were like the first couple of cases, they're being suppressed in China. My mom's like sending me all these articles. She's like, Mike, look out. I know you're going to Orlando. Like, just be careful. Just be careful, Mike. And I'm like, this is like another one of my mom's like doomsday type texts. And it's funny because if I just heeded her warning and done a little more research, could have done some shorting. And uh, I, I had a couple hundred grand I could have thrown against some uh, some options that it could have turned me into a billionaire today. But uh, you know, my mom's always sending me like, end of the world doomsday stuff so but it's just funny because she was getting really adamant about me not going to florida i was in florida by the way and um i was in florida in what uh end of january and early february and i was in florida again uh towards the end of february and then into march 1st and it was fine there, there was no cases in florida at all when i left but um yeah it's, it's just funny because i'm like you know this will blow over i was wrong i've been wrong before but i've been right a lot too and let's let's remember here that fail fast forward it's something i always say to myself when i'm not sure Failure is okay. Like you're going to fail in life, but when you fail, it's about realizing that you failed, admit it, own it, move on, fail, fail fast. The first thing you do is to cut the bleeding. Don't hold on as you know, things crash, fail, fail fast, and then fail forward. Learn from the failure, take the learnings of that failure and act on them. So if you made a mistake before, don't make that mistake a second time. One of the biggest things for me was getting it in writing. I used to trust people to shake hands with someone and believe that their word was everything. And I learned to get things in writing. That was one of the things that, like the fail fast forward for me personally. In, in construction, I've learned a ton about people in general, just like people suck and they don't honor their word and, and renovating sucks because you find things in construction that take long. It always takes longer and it always goes over budget. That's something I learned that like optimistic me met reality. Um, of people not hitting their deadlines, right? And that's something that, like, again, fail fast forward. This is another opportunity for us to fail. And through failure, we got to learn from it and move on. That's the important thing is we're acting on our, on our failures. That's how you learn. That's how you build wisdom. You can take my failures and you can learn from them. You can learn from failures of other people and don't make the same mistake. That way, you'll be better off for it. I saw a bunch of comments coming up. Listen to your mom. They know best. You know, sometimes my mom doesn't know best because if I'd listened to my mom, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't have bought all the real estate that I bought and wouldn't have invested how I did and wouldn't have levered up and wouldn't become the multimillionaire that I am today. So to some extent, I think doing my own thing and going against what my parents told me was a smart thing to do. Um, it's treated me very well to do that. Again, in this case, obviously there's the, there's the one-offs where I should have taken it more seriously. I, I didn't think it would spread to the levels that I had. And it could have not, right? Like, for all we know, it could have just quarantined and died in China if they just closed their borders down, right? It's possible that we could have contained this thing. But uh, the Chinese government, obviously, we, we know that they suppressed, uh, they, they even killed doctors who were talking about it in December. If you guys read those stories, they literally killed doctors who were saying this is highly contagious. We just shut the borders down. China was like, shh, we're doing big trades. We, we want big trade deals. Shh, quiet, die. Um, but anyway, um, probably their fault to be honest like it, it really is Chinese government could have acted smarter and better to have contained this but 
it is what it is. I understand they're dealing with billions of dollars in trade and to shut down their borders like that would have had massive consequences if they had done it sooner. So no one could have really predicted this, could have gone this far. I guess the doctors in the beginning knew in December, we, we had doctors who were being killed in China who knew that this could have become something. But um, even like we had people telling us in January and February, hey, we gotta act on this, we gotta act on this and no one did, right? Until it becomes a serious issue, then people act on it. So let's get through some live question and answer because I just rambled for like 36 minutes. It's time for you guys, you guys to lead the conversation now. Not really just yet. I agree with you on that. Um, real estate hasn't really gone down just yet. <laughs> Future Wiz says, no, Mike, say it isn't so. It's true. I was wrong. I've been wrong before, but I'm only partly wrong. Um, I'm still right about levering up. I'm still right about getting cheap debt. I'm still right about refinancing your properties. There's a lot of things I'm still right about. If you take my advice, you'd be wealthier than you were before. Uh, I don't teach you to trade on stocks. I teach you to buy properties that cash flow. So five years from now, you can give me a pat on the back and thank me for putting you in the right direction. Yo, yo, how's it going? Bob, good investment, you'll be rich. <laughs> I don't know about that. There's, uh, I mean, alcohol is an essential service. They aren't shutting it down actually right now. So there is no shortage of alcohol at all. Um, here in Ontario, they deemed, they said, they went on the news, there was like the health minister, someone went on the news and was like, we are not shutting down the alcohol stores. Like this is an essential service at this time, along with healthcare and grocery stores and pharmacies are the LCBOs, the liquor stores. We need to keep that open. There are many alcoholics who depend in this time on alcohol. And I'm like, are you serious? I was almost laughing. I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? Like you're literally like, <laughs> anyway, um, I guess it's true. If you're an alcoholic, um, you'd be pretty addicted. I can understand for a while there I was addicted to like ice cream and chips. I can understand how hard it is to go without things you really like. I, I don't drink. So like I almost never drink in general. I've had like, a beer in the last year. But there was a time where like I, I would enjoy the occasional beer. It just, it costs money. I don't enjoy the feeling of the buzz. So for me, I'm just a sober individual. I, I don't even enjoy the feeling of, of like uh, being high, any of that stuff, um, you know, like edibles, all that kind of stuff. It makes me feel terrible. So, and I didn't just admit that I've done those things on the air um, ever. That was not an admission of guilt. That was just saying that I wouldn't enjoy those feelings. I'm, I enjoy being sober. I'll just, we'll stop at that. Anyway, um, China saw a 40% drop in GDP in the three months since COVID-19 started. Hard to imagine Ontario and Canada seeing the same thing over the next three to four months. Now, Matt Kelly, interesting point there. I don't know, I haven't fact checked that, but a 40% drop in GDP is huge. I know trade has pretty much like it stopped there, it came to a halt, right? That's huge. But let's remember this is short-lived. A lot of this will pick back up again. But yeah, we were gonna have bad quarters. Businesses who were trying to refinance or businesses who are on the edge of like, you know, going public or something, they're gonna have a really bad quarter and that's gonna be terrible. All the analysts are gonna have to adjust for that bad quarter or two. But um, what was the point I was gonna make? Oh, Ontario and Canada uh, having GDP drops. Let's be clear here. What is the current price of oil? It was down like 20 something dollars a barrel. Um, that's dangerous. Here in Canada, a lot of the oil companies, they extract it at 40 or $50 a barrel. So it's costing them money to extract from the oil sands right now at 26. Thank you, someone just jumped in and commented. If it's cost them 40 or 50 to get it out of the ground and through production, guess what? Every oil barrel they produce is going to cost them money. What are they gonna do? <laughs> stop producing oil. Um, stop, just shut the oil sands down shut the, the fracking down, shut it all down. That's the end result 
of keeping oil at this price right now. It's not sustainable, especially for Canada. Out east, out west in BC and in Newfoundland and in New Brunswick and you know, all around, we rely on the export of natural resources. Canada has the third largest oil reserves in the world. Or sec I think it's like, I think Saudi Arabia is one up from us. So just remember, we're like, Canada's like Saudi. That's how much oil we actually have. So just remember that Canada is extremely affected. We are in a recession. COVID aside, just the price of oil right now will suppress the Canadian economy. We are going to see some really, really big fallouts for that. Let's look at an example of banking. Why are the banking stocks so beat up? Beyond just COVID, beyond what's going on, they a lot of some of the banking industry or some of the big banks do a lot of energy lending. Guess what? That's a big problem, right? Energy lending, if you're lending to companies that do business in oil, all of a sudden, all those you know notes, are they worthless if the company goes bankrupt? They're gonna pay the bank back last, right? So uh, just keep that in mind. That's gonna have big economic impacts on the Canadian economy. So we are in for a recession. Canada is in a recession, fact. Um, we are going to be in a recession for the next foreseeable future, fact, with COVID even worse. Um, so that's happening. There'll be bounces in the market where things are going up, things going down. I'd probably buy in on the down days. I probably wouldn't buy anything on the up days. Um, that's just like a, my general feel right now until we have some more stability, some more clarity. The days where I saw, I saw that like bank stocks were up, stocks were up like 12%. I saw the TSX take a big jump like 10% in one day. Those are the days I wouldn't be wanting to buy. Um, I like to buy on the down days to be honest because I don't know what the floor is. I don't think we're at the floor yet. It could be, I don't know. This could be short-lived, but my feeling or sense is that a quarter or two from now, we're gonna start seeing those really bad quarters come out for a lot of the companies and see just how bad it actually is. All those, you know, industries, all the fast food maybe is even affected big, big time, right? All the entertainment industry, all like majorly affected, right? And when we see the ramifications of that, there'll be, you know, it won't be good. There'll be a bit of blood in the streets on those days too. So let's keep that in mind. As we go through investing, let's keep that in mind. Um, as we make our plans, how to move forward. Here's the thing that we know. If you focus on my last video and you spend less, and you find strategies to earn more money, and you maximize returns on the difference, you'll be just fine. Even if you're not even doing your best at maximizing returns, even if you're just buying the S&P 500 right now and the TSX, okay, or buying real estate, whatever you're buying. If you're focused on spending less right now and earning more, you're gonna be okay. You're gonna be okay. Shutting down the liquor stores would cause a huge problem for people. Yeah, um, people who are dependent, I guess, yeah. For people like me, it would be uh, unaffected. Okay, back to the questions. Let's get these banged out here real quick. China saw a 40% drop in GDP. Um, I don't know who Frank Vaughn is. Overnight repo market's gonna screw over the world. <laughs> I don't know about that side. I actually don't know. Uh, I think that most people who have like car payments right now, interestingly, a friend of a friend called their credit card company and was like, hey, coronavirus, can't pay my credit card interest, please. 22% interest, can I have it a break? And they're like, yeah, next three months interest free. Interest free? People are calling credit card companies and getting interest free right now. People are calling like their car loan and being like, hey, I can't pay for the next six months. If anything, I think the repo business is gonna be like down because everyone's getting extensions. So if you're in the repo business right now, right now, it's everyone's getting extensions. So even if they were gonna normally foreclose, they're gonna get a chance to have an extension. 
for free in, in many cases. So the COVID scenario is going to cost the financers a lot of money. People who lend the money on the car, who lend the money on the house, they're going to feel it. Um, it's going to be a bit of a liquidity crisis for people on the lending side, but I don't think the repo people quite yet will, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think they're really going to be in business quite yet, but maybe in six months from now, when all those six months of deferred payments catch up with the Canadians and the Americans and whoever else are getting the delays, most people aren't going to pay. Like what I know for certain is when a tenant withholds the rent for three or four months, they never catch up. They're legally, like tenants are legally allowed to withhold rent for certain reasons. Like one of them being like their unit's unsafe or like they need some renovations done. They can withhold rent. They have to eventually pay it, but they can withhold it legally. And a lot of tenants do for two or three months withhold it. I'm like, cool, I'll get the money from you after. But you never do. Because a tenant, once they fall three, four months behind, people just blow the money they have. They don't save their four months and leave it aside. For some reason, people can't delay gratification the way I can. They get money, it's out of their account. They save up $2,000, they'll just find a way to spend it on something else. Um, so it's crazy, but what it, history shows psychologically is when people defer payments or defer rent or defer anything, they never get caught up because they're not good at getting, people aren't good at saving, they're good at spending. And um, yeah, there's gonna be a big fallout, a lot of mortgage foreclosures nine months from now. So I'm really bullish on like November, like in, in towards the end of the year, I'm gonna go hard. I'm gonna have a war, I'm gonna refinance all my properties, I'm gonna sell a couple properties off, get a war chest of cash and just go hard in the fall. So the fall is seasonally a good time to invest anyway. Uh, people when it starts getting cold, like November, people just start like, they, they clam up, they don't go to showings and stuff. It's just not a good time of year. People are doing family stuff, it's getting close to Christmas. Christmas Eve, I'm gonna be writing offers again. The year before last, during Christmas Eve, I was writing offers going crazy. Christmas Day, I wrote an offer. Probably I'll do the same thing this fall because that'll be the follow-up. That'll be when six months from now, when all the people start to pay, uh, have to start paying their mortgage and they're six months behind now because they got a free deferral. So all that stuff's gonna catch up with everyone. I think right now people are getting a lot of government relief. They're getting a lot of deferral from their bank and their credit departments are all getting deferral. But I think COVID's gonna pass. I think people are gonna get over it. We're gonna find a vaccine or something's gonna happen. And like we're smart, the human race is smart. We'll adapt and evolve and move on. We'll find ways to cope. And when we do, there's gonna be a fallout, right? Um, all I see is, yeah, someone says, you see the light. I, I see the end of the, like, I just I'm always looking in the future. And what I see in the future is bright. We're gonna be fine. This is, this is gonna pass. Short term, it's gonna be painful. Long term, I'm still bullish on everything. Because guess what? The price of a house 20 years from now is better than the price it is today, almost always. The price of the market 20 years from now is better than the price it is today, almost always. It's just, just the way it is. Investors expect growth. Okay, ready for a lightning round? I'm gonna go really quick and see if I can get through all these, uh, all these questions. Smash the like button if you're still watching. I appreciate all you guys who are watching. It means a lot. Okay, next one. Are you ready? Who are these people who come to dislike right away on Matt McKeer's videos too? Same guys. Yeah, Brendan. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure someone's going to jump in and uh, and do a, a dislike. It's just the way it is. Um, some people just troll, man. Like, just having fun. We all know that, that person. I have a friend like that who just like, they love and support me, but like jokes, they'll always just jump in and like throw that thumbs down. That's just how people are. Can't let it bother you. But by and large, I know that the value I'm sending out to the world doesn't make me much doing these videos. It doesn't make much of anything, but um, it helps people. And so that's why I do it. Look like trolls to me. It's disgusting because people like Mike and Matt are providing amazing value. Thanks. Appreciate that. 
I was wondering the same thing, three within the first minute or two. Alex, yeah, maybe people didn't like that I was wrong. Um, that might be the dislike. It's like, hey, I was wrong. And people are like, whoa, Mike admitting he's wrong. Hate that, hate that authenticity. Wish he would just keep lying to himself. Um, <laughs> hot tubs in the winters are the best. Yes, agree, totally the butcher. Ilya says, have you already spoken on investing in index funds at this time of uncertainty? Not explicitly, I suppose. I, I, so I touched on it the last couple of videos a little bit, but um, what do I feel like about index funds? I still love John Bogle. I think he's a hero. Um, I'm a Boglehead through and through. He, uh, he started the Vanguard funds. He was the first to start like the exchange traded funds. Love them. Remember, they're low fee. Um, they're fantastic. Mutual funds typically during a recession outperform an ETF. That's just what we know. Over a five or 10 year period, exchange traded funds or index funds, they outperform mutual funds. They're actively managed, right? By people you pay a large fee or 2% fee to, right? The active funds, they typically have more stop losses set in. They're typically able to uh, cut your losses a little bit better through a recession. But long-term, none of the fees, exchange-traded funds are better. So, exchange-traded funds are on sale right now. 20, 30% off in some cases. Depending which indexes or ETFs you're buying right now, if you're buying like oil ETFs right now, they're like hella discounted. So, could it be a good time to buy? Yeah. If I'm going to buy anything, I'm going to buy... ETFs and exchange traded funds at this time. Don't go pick individual stocks. Don't do it. You are not Warren Buffett. You don't know the future. You can't analyze these companies. You can't spend the time to analyze them effectively. And we know that there are six methods of trading. I should do a video on that at some time, but only one of them, only one of them is technical analysis. Technical analysis is trend trading. You know those guys you hear that like have the, the red bars and the green bars and they're trying to do trend analysis? That's one of six ways to value a company. And we know that historically speaking, there is no model over a 20 year period using technical day trading analysis that has ever beat the S&P 500 over a 20 or 25 year period. Doesn't happen. So all these guys on there are like, oh, I'm trading like the momentum, the momentum traders, right? The guys who are trading on momentum or those guys who are like just going, going hard, trying to trade like, I don't know, you see them like trading options and stuff like that. Those guys typically over a 25 year period do not beat the S&P 500. So if you can't beat them and the data supports 99% probability that you won't be able to over the long period of time trade better than the market, you should just join the market and buy the market, which is buying ETFs and exchange traded funds. So now more than ever, I'm a proponent of diversity. Diversity is the idea that you don't want all of your eggs in one basket. You want to have a lot of eggs in many different baskets, many different income streams. If you follow me on Instagram, at Mike Rosehart, you'll know that I talk about diversity, about multiple streams of income. I'd rather have 10 properties spread out than one property that's huge, right? It's just like the way it, the way it is. Same way I don't want to have five stocks that I buy individual when I can have one ETF that holds a thousand stocks, right? I'd rather own many stocks. We don't know what companies will get bailed out, what companies will go bust over the next few months, which companies will go bankrupt. We don't know. Long-term, we know if you hold a small piece of every stock on every exchange, you make about seven or 8% on average every year over the long-term. If you buy individual stocks, you can go bankrupt. There's a chance of getting to zero. Yes, you can make more money, but there's a chance of going to zero. With exchange-traded funds, there is no chance of going to zero because if you buy the right exchange-traded funds across all the markets, you will not lose money. So I hope that answered your question. Am I bullish on exchange-traded funds? I think so. You should diversify. That's the most important thing. Diversify. Have some stuff in real estate. Have some stuff in the stock market. Have some stuff all around 
all around the world. Mike is beautiful. Oh, thank you. Now, my mom doesn't know how to use, I don't think my mom even knows how to get on. And her, her name is literally like Christine Roser. She jumped in the comments before. She doesn't know how to get on here though. Like, she guarantee doesn't have notifications set up. So I'm sure that she's not on my live stream right now. But thank you, W. I don't know, W, I've seen you on a few times. I appreciate that. Um, appreciate those comments. Okay. Whoa, I've lost my spot. Let me find out where I was at here. We were talking about exchange traded funds. Someone asked me a question about that. Let me find out where that question was. Hey Mike, it's Wallace. Did you get to refile your properties? Lee Twins, hey, good to see you again. That was great catching sushi in New York uh, that one time. I love when people who are like loyal followers reach out on Instagram and follow me and see that I'm in their city and they're like, hey, let's go get some food. That's cool, I like that. It's great putting a face to a name. Um, did I get to refinance all the properties yet? No, I'm this close on a couple of properties. The refinance process for me takes a long time only because I have a lot of documents. So part of my refinance process, by the way, share us to your friends. We have 95 people on the stream right now. Five more people and we're over 100. I don't think I've ever had 100 people concurrently. I've had 500 people over a stream over an hour, but I've not had at one time over 100. So please share this somewhere right now. Let's see if we can get over 100 people on the stream. That'd be kind of cool. That would just like make my night, make this hour worthwhile. I don't get paid. So all I can get from this is basically the satisfaction of knowing that Someone thought I was beautiful and that you enjoyed this content. But um, what was the point I was making? I lost my train of thought now. Let's get to 100 guys, we're at 95. Someone, someone do me a solid and share this around your Facebook, share this on your Instagram. Let's get some people on here. Let's get some people talking. Let's talk about the future. Let's find a solution for this problem and then how do we move on economically from that? So the question is refinancing my properties um, and Lee Twins, yeah, um, working on refinancing. Got some more lines of credits. I've got access to gunpowder now. So I'm, I'm ready. If someone has a good deal, Hit me up in London, Ontario. I'm still in the buying season. So if you know someone, hit me up. I saw on Reddit that a landlord of 32 units had a letter sent to him saying that none of his tenants were paying. It's his sole source of income. Kyle stammers, ouch, that sounds painful. Um, ouch, and there's not anything you can do right now. Eviction orders are on hold. The landlord tenant board is shut down. You can't even apply for an eviction. If you have an eviction order, it was already granted from six months of fighting in court. You can't even take that order right now to the sheriff to get the eviction. There are no evictions at all right now. So there are tons of scumbag tenants. I'm sure they're taking advantage. Uh, I'm sorry for all the landlords. I feel for them. As a landlord myself, I feel for everyone that's suffering this time. As a previous tenant and someone who grew up, you know, I didn't grow up with a lot, single mom. Like we didn't, we didn't have a ton. I moved around with my stepdad, I didn't even live with my mom or my dad. I grew up with my stepdad. Like, I don't wanna go down the memory lane right now, but we jumped around a lot. I lived in like 20 houses. We used to rent and we used to get evicted all the time, move around. So I've been on both sides of the coin and it's hard for the tenants right now. There's no excuse not to pay your rent. Go get a job, go work, work it off, make an agreement with the landlord, give them something. So many tenants just like, I can't pay my rent, so I pay you nothing. If you have a hundred bucks, give your landlord a hundred bucks right now. If you have 50 bucks, give your, give your landlord 50 bucks. To pay nothing is like, just pure socialist garbage. Um, landlords have to make ends meet. They have expenses to pay. No one gets to live for free. There is no free, there's a cost of housing. And the government doesn't pay for it. The private sector shouldn't have to pay for it. That's sad, that might be his pension. He might be trying to live on that. There's no government funding for this guy because he's relying purely on that apartment building. By the way, it's the reason I say, don't put all your eggs in one basket. If he had 100 properties and they were all in like companies in different names, no one would know. 
and then they wouldn't be able to all do a rent strike on him alone. Um, I have lots of properties in many different places. Don't want to be able to even find out all the properties that I own because a lot of them aren't even in my name. Um, 98, nine, we had 99 for a second there. If we get to 100, I'd appreciate it. We jump back down again, but uh, maybe I just need to be more entertaining. What can I do? Do I need to like take my shirt off right now? Like, is that what sells views? Just kidding. Um, okay, next question. Let's get through all these questions here. Smash the like button, appreciate that. I'm hurrying. My daughter's there too, my wife. I gotta go. I wanted to get to 100. We have four minutes, guys. Stay on here, open up multiple browsers, do what you have to do. Get uh, IP masks. My mortgage is with First National. What's your opinion on them? Would you negotiate a term renewal? Have to be done by a broker only. So Raz, I don't know um, with First National what the options are, but typically you can re renegotiate or refinance. There are going to be, um, there, there are definitely going to be opportunities for uh, refinancing, you can go back to your bank and say, hey, I wanna borrow more money. If you're borrowing, if your mortgage is say 200 and you want back for 300,000, you're pulling equity out, oftentimes they'll waive the mortgage breakup penalties because you're going for more money. Oftentimes that's what they'll do. Um, oftentimes you go to another bank to refinance and when they take the business from the other bank, they'll pay some of the breakout costs. So that's a great time. Go to another bank who wants your business and make them steal your mortgage. That's a good way to get out your breakout fees. So way to get refinanced. Again, awesome. Hey guys. Mitchell, good to see you on. Logan, good to see you on. Give us those free Canabucks. I don't know what Canabucks is. It's saying like that, like Canadian dollars are worth nothing. It's actually true. I wonder if I have any money in my wallet. Oh, reaching to my wallet here. Actually, no, I have no cash in my wallet. I took all the cash out. You know this wallet? I've had this wallet for like 15 years. It's leather. It's been through the washing machine four times. I have a new wallet. My wife wants me to change out, but I'm never getting rid of this wallet. This is the wallet I made my first million, my second million with. Third million too, I guess. I'm, not, I'm gonna stop, I don't want people to know my net worth, so we'll just stop there. But this wallet means a lot to me. And I have no bucks in it. I can give you free tips. Uh, how to refinance your mortgage. My mortgage is with First National. How do I negotiate it? We did that question. Oh, I missed one, my bad. I missed all these questions here. Okay, we need to go on a lightning round here. There's so many questions, I didn't realize there was so many. Um, do I think the market will go back down? Yes, I do. Um, I think there will just be the next bit of media attention that'll like get things going. When we get to like a million virus, a million people who have coronavirus, when that happens, a bit a big article or something. I'm just guessing, but there will be, you know, there's like there's always ups and downs, right? We've seen a bit of recovery now. There's going to be a down cycle as well. People need to calm down and stop panicking. That is great advice. Great comment. I have an HOA that has gone up 80% in six years. I think either the property manager is not controlling costs or the HOA board is stealing money. How do you handle these? Three freestanding homes. That's terrible, by the way. Um, that's one of the reasons I don't like to buy properties with HOAs. I try to avoid properties that have, um, where I can't control things. I just, in general, I like to be in control. It sucks. You could invest, there's probably a way you could launch an investigation into them. There's gotta be a government body that regulates that. Uh, or something you can go to that regulates the HOA fee. You could investigate, you could hire like an auditor to investigate the fund. I'm sure that there probably is some form of um, something going on that's causing the fees to be higher. It could be legitimate. It could be that like, maybe there are legitimate insurance costs or maybe there are legitimate street costs or something going on that's actually causing um, the cost to go up, you know, for your HOA. I don't know. I don't know what your HOA includes. Some of them include like, you know, lawn maintenance and snow and whatever else. I don't know where you live, if it's warm or cold or, or what, but 
that's an unfortunate thing. Um, yeah, just uh, sucks being a landlord right now, just in general, guys. Just harp on that 32 unit not paying. He could serve, he should serve the Milan fours and start the process so he can evict them. I mean, it's gonna be a long drawn out process and we're not gonna get any evictions anytime soon. You sound like Chamath. I don't even know what that is, Chamath. I guess I'm, I'm way out of, I'm out of the loop here. I'm not hip at all. So if that's like some rapper dude, um, someone send me a link to whatever that is. On Instagram, I like Rosehart, send me a link to it, what that is. Um, everyone in the apartment complex signed a letter they're not going to pay. And that's great, like, you can, you can all agree you're not gonna pay, but guess what, he can just evict you. Um, so there's that. Like, you can't, no stay, no, no pay, no stay. A no pay, a no stay. Long term, long term. I mean, short term, they're gonna get their way because the whole system is shut down due to corona. Okay, next question. Do you think we've seen the bottom of the stock market and is this a good time to refinance your mortgage? I think we've seen a bit of a bounce, to be honest. So there was the bottom maybe a little bit ago. We aren't quite at the bottom today, I don't think. Is there going to be a further bottom? It's possible. I've been wrong before. I'm not gonna pretend that I could time the market. Tell you what, I, I wouldn't be doing you, if I knew with absolute certainty whether there was gonna be a further bottom, I would go buy the most expensive options with the most precise timing and I'd be a billionaire. And I wouldn't be doing these videos. I'd have someone else doing these videos. And I could literally have so much money I could pay someone who's better than me, who's more entertaining than me, to, to do those videos for me. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't know the future. My prediction is that we are going to see a little bit more of a roller coaster in the coming months. So it's gonna look like this. I don't know what trending direction. I know that like it might be flat, it could be further down, I don't know. There's gonna be volatility, so there'll be highs and lows. What I know is it's cheaper now than it was a month ago. So if you're planning to dump a bunch of money in the stock market a month ago, thank God that you didn't um, and maybe you'd start doing it now. The good advice for this time is called dollar cost averaging. It's the idea that you should just buy small amounts over a, over a whole period of time. And what you know is that your average cost will be you know, pretty good in a, in a bear market. We're in a bit of a bear market, now's a good time to buy equities. I am gonna take some of my refinance money and put maybe a half a million bucks in, in stocks. Probably. That's my plan is to get money out and put it into stocks uh, to watch that grow to like a million. So, or maybe I'll take a million and grow it to two, we'll see. I'm not gonna share my whole plan online because I like to be a little secretive about some of my strategies. Maybe it's only 100 grand. Maybe I'm just blowing smoke up your guys' ass. Maybe I'm actually broke. Maybe I have no money at all and I'm homeless. This is just a green screen behind me. Do you think we've seen the bottom stock market? Next question. Hey Mike, how's it going? I'm having trouble buying property, been looking and getting rejected. The reason you're getting rejected is because you're probably not offering competitively enough. So you need to make sure you're offering competitively. It's important to uh, put a competitive offer together. And that could mean other things beyond price. It could mean terms. It could mean writing a cover letter. I used to write cover letters with all of my offers. A one page typed up letter like, about me and my wife being like young real estate investors. When we'd buy houses to live in, I'd write a whole letter about how like we love the house and we want to take transform it and whatever. But we'd write letters that the realtor had to give to the seller. And they read my offer with someone else's and I have this heartfelt letter. And guess what? Mine's at the same price and I win. Even if I'm a little bit less, they like me more. They People are emotional. And so maybe you're not, maybe you have the wrong realtor. Maybe you're not appealing to the right, you know, the right way. Maybe you're just flat out offering too little. Or maybe the market is still insane where you live and it's just hard to find property deals right now. In which case, just reach out to some wholesalers who are peddling private sale properties and take a risk and buy something, no conditions. Problem with wholesaling is, again, you're buying no conditions. So you have to go in with no financing condition, no building inspection condition, and just take a risk on a property, right? 
and they often need a lot of rehabilitation and things like that. So something to think about. WCS 895 today saw on Bloomberg Terminal. Interesting. Almost missed it. Too caught up in the grind. Hey, I've been there. I've been there. Myself included. The winos have to have their wine. True, true. That's why the LCBOs didn't shut down in Canada. I guess in their cannabis? Are those stores still open? No one could have predicted this. That's, yeah. I mean, someone predicted this, but it's very hard to. Governors saw this coming and cashed out early. That's possible. Though, like... To be fair, Darren Robinson, I actually had the same information that, I'm hurrying, I actually had the same information that the governors had. My mom was sending me everything, like all the articles about from China, like in December and January. I had the information, and yet I didn't act on it because I didn't think it was serious. Um, but I don't know. Hindsight's 2020, as they say. Time is money. Hey, how's it going? South London reseller says, lesson, listen to your mom. There you go. No one could have predicted this. What are your thoughts about investing in retirement homes? Could the current crisis decrease demand long-term for such properties? Possibly, though the large demographic of baby boomers getting older would be like a long-term trend for, I guess, old age homes. So long-term, they'd be a good investment. Short-term, yeah, could be a really good investment right now. Next question, showing down the liquor store. Hey, it's legal. I don't know what's legal, but only jumped on 10 minutes ago. Are you buying any gold? Where are you about hyperinflation? Ellie, good question. I have a little bit of gold. Um, I'm not in a little bit of silver, the poor man's gold. Um, I'm not super, yeah, I don't think we're gonna go into hyperinflation at, at this time. I don't think it's gonna happen, but it's possible. Anything's possible. I think we're seeing the end of this. There'll be another, there'll be another hurrah. Like we're not done, we're not out of the tunnel yet, but um, yeah, I don't think so. I think the governments will stabilize. I don't think we'll go into hyperinflation. It's possible. With interest rates being so low, it is possible. And with the bond markets and things the way they are, I mean, it's, it's anything's possible. I think it's a low probability of happening, but again, possible. Another reason why you want to have no money, a lot less in cash and a lot more in safe things like land and real estate. Honestly, I live in the middle of nowhere and I'm in the depths of the Wales, UK. We have one shop, one pub, one hairdresser in the village, no pavements, no street lights. It's that remote here. So you're probably pretty safe. Be careful, everyone. We're at 96. Come on, people, jump up to 100 for me. I'll pay my bills unless I can't. There you go. When you sell properties, do you use an agent or do you do it yourself to save on commission? Raz, I use an agent, but I have my own brokerage. I'm a realtor myself. Um, I use myself or an agent. I've used an agent too. Like, let's be honest here. Sometimes an agent has more um, connections or more time to focus on the property than you can. That said, if you have the time available, no one's going to do as good of a job selling your own property as you will. No one knows as much about your property as you do. If you have a more complex property, that's not like a single family, maybe more of a multifamily where you have the exact income and the expenses, and you know, everything about it. You might do a better job selling your property or representing your property than someone else will who has six other listings, right? They're not going to be as you know, passionate to sell your property as you are. But sometimes having an agent can add value and don't be afraid to pay to get top dollar for your property. I've paid a couple percentage points in commission and gotten that much more. I've gotten five or 10% more because of the agent's um, ability to, to get the client and get the price for the best or get things priced for the best to possible market value. You see the light on the other tunnel. Mike, seriously thinking of pilot training in the next couple months, thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
it'd be cool to get a helicopter. You can get a helicopter for like 40 or 50 grand or these really cool drones you can buy that you can fly with. I was thinking about getting one of those um, just as like a last ditch, like just because it would be cool to drive around to be honest, but that'd be something cool to think about. It is bath time. I need to go, guys. I have to give time to the family. It's my daughter's bedtime. Uh, started giving hand to a local farmer. That's awesome that we have related to food. Related to the queue about gold. Have you listened to Peter uh, Skiff much? Any thoughts on his outlook on the economy? I haven't. You have to send it to me. I'll listen to it, and then I can give you my, my opinion. I'm glad you recognized your mistake. I was very upset for the previous video. There you go. Um, yeah, and at the same time, like a lot of my opinions still are similar in that uh, I'm coming. 100 people, do you think the stock market will crash even more? Uh, possible, possible. I don't think we're through the end of it yet. Mike, do you think the banks will auction properties for the first time in Canada if we hit depression in Canada? I think six or eight months from now, once all those six month mortgage deferrals come knocking and everyone owes six months now of interest that they've deferred and principal payment or whatever, that's gonna be where there's a bit of a problem. Um, because people get used, they get, into, they get used to not having to pay a mortgage. And then having to pay a mortgage, it, it kind of throws them through a loop. So something to, uh, I think that's when we'll see stuff. I don't know if it'll be that bad. They'll be auctioning off properties. Probably not. Just put out MLS. And there's enough investors at this interest rate level that want to buy and that can get cash flow. So I don't think so. I don't think we'll see a full economic collapse. Hey, good to see you guys on. Aiden says, how old are you? I'm 27 years old. Thank you for your live video. Have a great evening. Hey, no problem. What do you think of trading Forex for a living? Don't do it, period. Long-term, it's not a way to make, not a way to live. Um, would you ever invest in European real estate? Maybe Eastern European like Poland? I don't know. Um, I like to invest where I, where I know. Um, I don't know the legislation there. I don't know, I don't speak the language there. So there's, I mean, English, I guess, is a language everywhere, but no, probably not at this foreseeable future. What's it like in London? Um, it's fine. We've got a lot of cases here in London, a lot of corona cases here, actually. We're, we're pretty high on the top of for Canada. Um, everything's shut down, colleges, universities, everything is shut down right now. So we're living through that. Um, real estate's still hot. They're currently building new homes in the neighborhood where I have rental properties. One of my tenants asked if I could reduce the rent because of the construction noise. What would you do? Uh, work with them. Work with them. Find a solution that works for everyone. I don't know. It's tricky times, obviously, for, for you and for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, legally, you don't probably have to, but you want to keep the tenant, you could do it. How are you holding up with no all-you-can-eat sushi? Ah, oh, you hit the spot, guys. It's killing me. I love sushi. I'm missing it so much. The first thing I'm going to do when everything blows over is go for some all-you-can-eat sushi. It's been, it's been several weeks without it, and I feel like an alcoholic with no alcohol. <laughs> I need my fish intake. Um, is it better to trade in real estate with a real estate license or is it negligible? Yeah, it gives you a tiny edge. Like I have my own, I have my license and it gives you a tiny edge. But again, I made most of my money buying real estate. I only got my license in what, January, la December? No, January last year. So January 2019, I officially had my license. Before that, for seven years, I worked and bought real estate and didn't have a license. So there was an edge not having it in some situations because I wasn't regulated. Thoughts on selling for 480 to 490,000 now, a 30 to 40K loss, but I'm London with positive cash flow, 25% ROI. Um, Martin, if you've got positive ROI and cash flow, you don't need to sell. If you have that property and it's got 100 or $200,000 in equity and you can lend it out at 15%, you'd be better off lending the money out than keeping it stuck in the property. 
But um, if you're levered up all the way and you're still cash flowing 25% on your money, that's all. You're not getting 25% in lending. You're getting 25% in the stock market right now, probably even. So, can you make the money on the Instagram less sell to scam? Can you make the money on Instagram likes sell to scam? I don't know what that means. I don't know how to make money on Instagram, to be honest. Like, I make zero money from Instagram at all. None. I'm also terrible to ask for YouTube. I make like no money on YouTube either. I'm good at giving away free content and making nothing. So I can teach you how to do that. <laughs> um, I can teach you to buy real estate and make money there. I can teach you how to invest. But um, John, why do I think Forex is bad? I think that trading in general is very, very risky. I think that none of us, so like you're talking about technical analysis and that sort of thing. Like you're, you're relying on a method of, of investing that trades on patterns. And what we know is patterns always break. Models always break. What works for one year or two years breaks and no longer works. So Forex trading can be great for a while. Um, you might make a lot of money for a while, but long, long term, you shouldn't outperform the market. Over a 25 year period, you shouldn't outperform the market, which is the S&P 500, which gets about 10% a year. So you shouldn't long term, you know, if you have a million bucks, you should make, you, in the S&P 500, you should make 100 grand a year on average every year. Some years you make 300 grand, some years you lose 100, right? But on average, you make 100 grand a year. I can promise you that Forex trading is a lot more work to make around the same amount of money. So you might as well just buy the indexes. That's my thought on, on it. But maybe you know something that no one else knows. And maybe there's no one else selling a course about it. Because as soon as people start selling a course about it, everyone finds out. And then the arbitrage um, wedge that exists is closed. And then you have no edge. So everyone who's selling a course about something, it's crap. Because once enough people know about it, then it's no longer an edge, right? So, yeah my thought on on trying to trade stock for a living you could value invest for a living that's something you could do you could analyze companies financial statements and invest in companies for long-term 10-year investments in stocks not for the short term and you can make a lot of money if you diversify and have a large enough portfolio to hold a collection of 50 or 100 value plays um, value stocks right then you could make a go of it as a trader i don't think trading one or two stocks on like momentum trading or using some like technical analysis chart is going to give you an edge it's going to allow you to beat the market long term sustainably over a 20-year period actually the data suggests that no one is doing that and so if you are that person you're like warren buffett and i want to meet you over a 20-year period and all those guys selling courses most of them are just full of shit over a 20-year period they won't make any money or they won't make that much more than they would have made in the s p 500 can I find your story on YouTube? Yes, I have hundreds of videos on YouTube that you can watch and uh, you can learn all about my story. In fact, like my main video, when you go to my thumb, youtube.com slash Mike Rosehart, you can find all that out. This guy makes millions per year on Forex fundamentals on 15 million. He's exception to the rule. Yeah, I mean, there's probably some exceptions to the rule you can send me. Um, a lot of those guys are, are, are full of shit and um, <laughs> a lot of them don't make that much money or you hear about them making like, there are exceptions that got lucky. And let's be clear here, when you're trading, there's a lot of luck involved, a lot of luck involved and a lot more luck than there is skill. And that's coming from a guy who has an economics degree, coming from a guy who knows people who trade on Bay Street, who trade on Wall Street. And the guys who are the smartest at this, I promise you, they aren't that much smarter than the market on average. The, the top hedge fund guys, the top mutual fund guys, all those guys who run those hedge funds, they're not that much smarter than the market. They barely justify their fees. So anyway, that's my thoughts. I gotta go.
Uh, my Instagram is at M-I-K-E-R-O-S-E-H-A-R-T. I gotta let you guys go. I'm sorry. It's bedtime. For my daughter, not for me. Obviously, I stay up to like three in the morning. Uh, would you prefer to legalize a duplex yourself or sell and buy a grandfather one that's already ready to go? It depends. You can make a lot of money legalizing, so don't discount the fact that you can make money doing that. Um, <laughs> make a scam. Yeah, Stephen, I'm not interested in scamming anyone. I sell no courses. I have nothing to sell. I can... Yeah. That's what most of those guys do. Um, <laughs> that's what they do. Anyway, uh, thank you all so much for watching. We got to 99. We were so close to 100. Maybe we jumped to 100 and I just didn't see it. How about, how about I cross my heart and pretend that we got to 100 and that um, you guys are awesome and you got me there. But every single person who watched today, I appreciate y'all. And um, it means a lot to me. This is what I get to look out to. It was daylight before, but I get this full-size floor-to-ceiling window. As always, the secret to unlocking a wealthier you is to spend less, earn more, and to maximize your returns. Do those three things. You'll build wealth long-term. No matter what you do, you'll become a millionaire. So thank you all so much for watching. I appreciate you all. If I missed any question throughout this whole stream, once this is published, jump in and drop a comment. If you're watching the replay right now and you're one of the 2,000 people that are going to catch this replay, they're my loyal subscriber base, jump in the comments and tell me you watched it. Tell me you enjoyed it. Say, hey, thanks, or hey, I disagree. All of the comments are appreciated, and uh, we all learn through dissent of opinion. So if you have a dissenting opinion, if you disagree with what I had to say, you are the dissenter of the opinion. Get in there. Let everyone know. Because guess what? We learn the most when we are challenged. And so I welcome a challenge. I'm not always right. I don't know everything. But um, I like to share what I do know. Thanks, everyone. I'll see you all in the comments.